hiking the Gerald the Boss Man Show. Joined by Bleacher Report NBA writer Sean Hiking on the Boss Man Show, straight out of Portland, out there. PDX, how you doing, brother? How's it out there in the Great Northwest, out there? I'm good. Too good to be on with you, Jr. Yes, indeed. Well, Sean, I wanted to ask you about the Trailblazers themselves because the owner Paul just sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of get you a feel for what does that mean going forward with Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts and contract wise, who have, where how's the team going to be handled going forward there? Well, it, you know, I think a lot of it is up in the air right now. You know, Paul Allen wasn't married; he didn't have kids, so his sister is actually. Uh, the next in line in terms of inheriting all his assets. And then she's been pretty public about how she doesn't really have any interest in being a sports owner or really being involved in running a team. So I think the team is going to get sold at some point. And, you know, who that is, I have no idea. You know, it's probably going to be several months, maybe even up to a year before that gets resolved. But obviously with how well the NBA is doing right now, there are, uh, are definitely billionaires and millionaires lining up you know, to, to, you know, to talk to the league office and say, hey, if a team ever comes available, keep us in mind. And then, you know, the league has a process of vetting all those people to make sure they actually have the money that they say they have. And they make sure that all their stuff is in good standing. And so, you know, it's going to take a few months to sort through all of that stuff. But, you know, I do expect the team to get sold at some point. And what happens beyond that, I really don't know. So would you say maybe give stability for a year, maybe to Terry Stotts and Neil O'Shea if the season kind of doesn't go the way folks plan it to go? Yeah, I wouldn't imagine there'd be some sweeping changes any time soon. Usually when there's a new ownership group, you kind of see this. Usually when, you know, when somebody new is in charge, they're going to want to bring in their own coach or their own GM or all that kind of stuff. But you know, they have a pretty good track record here the last uh, several years, so maybe whoever the new owners are, Whenever that gets resolved, they're going to, you know, want to just keep things as they are. But, you know, who, who knows? I think it's going to, like I said, it's going to be a while before any of that is resolved. So I wouldn't expect there to be any changes anytime soon. And you was just up there when uh, the T-Wolves came to town mm-hmm. up there, man. How crazy of a mess was Jimmy Butler in that situation with Thibodeau and his team? Because I feel like this, that team just just uh, going through the motions, just waiting for him to be gone whenever Tibbs and Glenn Taylor and Scott Layden pull the trigger on him. It's just wild to see it up close because, I mean, Jimmy was, you know, he was around. He was in the locker room before and after the game, and he was, you know, at shoot-around hanging out. But then during the game, he stayed in the back. Tibbs said he was getting treatment, but he just wasn't out there on the bench. Uh, so it's it's just kind of this in this weird in between zone of you know he's around the team but he kind of decides when he's going to play. He played against the Clippers last night. He's probably going to play against the Lakers tomorrow night because that game is on ESPN and the league doesn't like it when players don't play on their national TV games. But uh, it's just kind of a really weird spot that everybody's in and nobody really looks good coming out of it. Yeah, and do you feel like Tibbs maybe missed up by not taking a deal for Miami, sitting around Josh Richardson, the first round pick? because it's not helping the team. He says he's about winning. I know he's trying to save his job and not get fired, but the team is not going anywhere. This is just a mess. So it's going to be a cloud over the team no matter what they do. So how about it's made it that deal with Miami when you could? But now it's, now it's playing real games and it's just going badly for you. He, they definitely should have done something. But, you know, one, one, I, think, I think the moment that really it turned was, when Jimmy missed the start of training camp, and then he came back a couple weeks in and uh, returned to practice and had that whole that whole ordeal where you know he basically showed up everybody in scrimmage and then did the interview with Rachel Nichols and like he, it should this should have been done before that point and I mean I get wanting to hold out for the best offer that you can get and not feeling like your hands are tied but like it's it's it and it's just you can just tell I was around you know being around the team the other night 
you can just tell all of them are just so over this and they just don't they just are ready for this whole thing to, to be done they should have they should have just gotten out in front of this back you know during training camp or shortly into the season and now i that you know josh richardson is playing pretty well in miami i don't know if that deal is even still on the table for them right now exactly and, and you know if i was a team that jimmy butler may sound with this offseason i wouldn't trade for him because as me you and i both know when the Knicks trade for Melo, you lost those four pieces, and the team was depleted when he got there. And the Knicks was always behind the eight ball because they had trade because Anthony wanted to beat the CBA, and Ray didn't change that much, but it hurt the Knicks going forward. Yeah, I would agree. Now, Miami and Houston, which are the two teams you kind of hear about now are as maybe still being in the Knicks, those teams are in kind of different situations than that New York thing that I with Carmelo because those teams aren't going to have cap space going forward. And so if they want to get Jimmy Butler, they have to trade for him. But yeah, if you're a team like the Knicks or the Clippers or some of these other teams, like the Nets that you've heard about as being, you know, possible to do this summer, those teams are all going to have enough cap space to just sign them outright. And yeah, they're and so far from everything that we're hearing. None of those teams are really interested in giving up pieces to trade for him now when they feel like they'll have a chance to sign him in the off season. So, you know, I think those teams are kind of making the right call there. And also, um, Kyrie Irving got fined $25,000 by the league for throwing the ball to Sands last night because he was pissed off that Jamal Murray tried to go for 50. And I'm a big Kyrie guy. I love talking to the guy when I see him in Atlanta here or when they, when they come to town. But you should have been mad when dude got 40, 45, 48. I mean, you should have been mad then. He, he's working you that good. Boston, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and you get this guy go off like this, and then you're mad because you try to go for 50. Now, you know, I know you might not like it, but, hey, you should have stopped and did somebody in the first, second, third quarters, too, before he got to that point. Yeah, I agree. And I feel I feel the same way. Where, you, know how, you know how in baseball a pitcher gives up a home run, and then they feel like the person, like if the player, like, flips his bat or, like, or like sits and watches the home run? Yeah. Like, get, you know, they, they get mad at that. They're like, oh, you're disrespecting the game, or you're violating the ad- rules. Like, okay, you, you're mad the guy celebrated the home run. Don't give up the home run. Don't let Jamal Murray go off for four. Now, now I would I would understand it more if the Celtics had won the game and then it looked like, oh, Jamal Murray was just trying to get 50 points in a loss. That would be kind of a bad look. But, like, Kyrie, like, they beat the Celtics. The Nuggets beat the Celtics, and Kyrie Irving was mad that Jamal Murray was trying to get to 50. Like, you guys just lost, and you you, you let him go for 48. You guys have bigger things to worry about than whether he takes a shot uh, at the buzzer in a game that was already decided. So I I did – I mean, I, I guess I get it. You know, you're a competitor. You know, Kyrie's frustrated in the moment. It's whatever. But now he's, like, coming out today and talking about, oh, I felt disrespected, and I think that was a petty move. But, like, okay, don't let the guy go for 48. Exactly. You know, like when when you're hot. I mean, a guy's getting mad because because Kyrie's a great offensive player. He can go off like that as well. Like if he got fifty or something, are people gonna be mad about it? No. I mean, just they can stop you. Sometimes you're just gonna get work some nights. And that's what happened last night. Yeah, and I and I and I, and I remember this. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, I think this is when Nicholas Batum was still on the Blazers. He took a shot uh, at the end of a game against the Spurs to get a triple double and like you know then he came out and said like oh i'm sorry like that was disrespectful like the game was over and i was going for my stats and greg popovich they asked greg popovich about it and he's like i don't care <laughs> like that's just kind of a, like it, it's just it's exactly just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just i don't know i just i i always have kind of a problem with whenever people are talking about oh this isn't the, violating the unwritten rules or oh it's disrespecting the game like you know you if you if Kyrie is mad that uh that that jamal murray had 48 and tried to get to 50 in a game like he shouldn't have let him get to that many points in the first place. And two more examples from NFL. 
people mad about Thomas doing the Joe Horn celebration on Sunday, and people mad about Kevin Byer going to the Cowboys star last night. Well, if you don't want that to happen, don't throw an exception. Don't let them score a touchdown. Exactly. No, I mean, it's just the same like I was saying earlier with the bat flip or, or anything like that in baseball. Like, don't give up the home run if you don't want the guy celebrating it. Exactly. Uh, people, should, people should have fun. Be not take it so seriously. Hey, you want not something to stop them, please. Now, this is what I want to stop, you know, Sean, is this. The Cavaliers paying coaches. I think they're still paying Mike Brown, T. Lou, David Blatt. Now, Larry Drew worked them for a buyout after they get a new coach next season. <laughs> yeah. Larry Drew. For, I mean, Larry Drew played hardball and won with the Cavs. But I, I, I must admit, if I'm going to take all them losses, you're going to pay me for it. I, I agree with Larry. Now, Larry Drew, when he's in Atlanta, he wasn't the best to deal with. But, you know, I get why I get why he did what he did. Yeah, I don't. I, I'll, well, first of all, I'll never blame anybody for trying to get the money that they can if they have the leverage to do it. So, there's, so first of all, there's that. But also, like, just some of these situations that Larry Drew has been in. I was just talking about, like, the Bucks are in town tonight, so I was just talking about this with some of the Bucks guys this morning. Uh, that you know, I don't know if you if you remember this uh, several years ago. You know, the, the, the when we, when the Jason Kidd was in the process of basically getting engineering his move over to the Bucks from the Nets after he tried to take over that organization. And this was like being reported as being done, and then in the middle of that, the uh, the uh, you know the, the Bucks draft Jabari Parker with the number two pick. They have their introductory press conference with Jabari after uh, after the draft, and like they they trot out Larry Drew to sit next to him at the press conference and say uh, and talk about like oh we're building this great future together. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, this is all being worked out that you know Jason Kidd is going to go there, and like two days later he gets it. Now, so Larry Drew has kind of gotten a raw deal in some of these situation before so yeah i mean you you know he's in this situation where they fire ty Lu six games into the season and he's going to be the interim coach yeah you want to you want he wants to get paid a little bit more and get some guaranteed for next season like yeah i, I don't blame him at all for that exactly and if i'm t Lou, i am so glad that i got fired because i'm gonna take all them losses deal with all all that headache and pain ty Lu already has enough health issues he takes it very seriously so forth, he, he stresses himself out. So if we don't need his heart going crazy all the losses he's going to be taking out this year. So I'm happy for Tilo to get something, get healthy, get recharged, and maybe he's waiting in the bullpen to take Luke Walton's job next year. Yeah, yeah. I, I as soon as I saw that, like there was, you know, there was a talk the day that they fired Ty Lue, like oh, it wasn't fair to him. I really don't think Ty Lue was losing a lot of sleep over getting fired. He's still getting. Dan Gilbert is still paying him $15 million, and he doesn't have that those wins, those losses. Like, he, like that record is not going to go in his resume. Now, as far as what happens with the Lakers, I have no idea. I know he has a good relationship with LeBron. Uh, I guess one guy I would maybe keep an eye on if that were to come to a head, and I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, but uh, back in Cleveland, like, like when, when Ty Lue first took over, like when, when David Blatt was still there, uh, they, you know, LeBron's people wanted Mark Jackson because Mark Jackson signed with Clutch, and so he you know, has the same agency. And the Cavs said basically, no, we're not hiring Mark Jackson. So I don't know if, they, I don't know if that's the guy. I'm sure that's the guy that LeBron might push for because of the Rich Paul stuff. But that's another guy to keep an eye on. I don't know what's going on with Luke Walton. But, yeah, I mean, the Ty Lue thing is interesting. I don't know if he it would still be in the mix there. I know he and LeBron have a good relationship at this point, but that's a lot of stress to deal with. I don't know if that's something Ty Lue would want to sign up for again. And speaking of the Cavs, uh, Jared Smith is mad he's being benched, wants to be traded. Tristan Thompson is unhappy, calling out Colin Sexton. Kyle Cooper wants to be traded now from the Cavs. They are a big old mess. 
So it's time for him to trade those veterans, get some assets, because we know when LeBron was there, they gave away assets. Just trade those guys away from second-round picks and try to rebuild through the draft that way, find diamonds and diamond in the roughs and go, and go that way. Well, that's what they should do. and I mean, that, that's, But that's what they should have done when uh... – like as, like as soon as LeBron left, that's what they should have done. Like I like you know they gave Kevin Love that big extension, and I know it's going to be a little bit below market uh, going forward. But you know he's already you're already seeing he's going to be out the next month or two. So I don't know how much trade value he's going to have. Like J.R. Smith's trade value is probably non-existent at this point. I don't know how much you're going to get for some of those guys. And it's also the kind of thing they're under contract for so long that like you might as well just like teams are going to have more cap space next summer, and teams are going to be able to take on some of those contracts a little bit next summer and you know getting more draft picks in the short term like the Cavs own draft pick is probably going to be top five with the way their season is going so I don't know if that's really the most important thing for them but yeah they really should have gone all in on the youth movement uh at the start of the offseason and and, yet just gotten rid of all these veterans if they could have uh at the time that's what I got for you the Warriors do it again they found Alonzo McKinney Alfonso McKinney out of G League and like John Simmons was with, with the Spurs and look at how he's playing, which makes it more apparent how Pat McCall screwed himself again because this guy's playing so well, they ain't going to convert that two-way into a, a, a probably a minimum contract eventually. And Pat McCall screwed himself again by thinking he's better than what he is. Now he's out in the cold somewhere, still on the goals that's control that can match any deal. Yeah, I mean, if you're a guy like that, it's, it's tough because it's not like he had a, a bigger deal that he left on the table because he wanted to go back to Golden State this past summer. You know, those, those 2016 deals are still on the books, and the salary cap didn't really go up very much. So it's not like teams had a lot of money that they could have signed Pat McCaw. So for him, you sign the one-year qualifying offer or, you know, whatever other deal, the one-year deal they negotiate. You sign that deal, you know, get a ring, you know, get your third ring uh already and then you know then you just you know next summer you go get paid and he kind of misses opportunity there i don't know what he's going to be able to do next summer but uh you know we'll see yes indeed with sean hey good work as always my good brother talks here real soon man hold down in pdx man yeah good to talk to you man all right folks that's sean hiking here on the boss show people All your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, fraud on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hey there, your yard took a real beating this summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, Winter Guard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. 
Hey, parents, we all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash BITZ to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Nikki D on the beat. Jared the Boss Man Show, but drawn by my guy Emory Hunt from footballgameplan.com. Learn about all the matchups, all different football plays, tech, terminology, inside zones, outside zones, TE stunts. You learn all that at footballgameplan.com. Emory, what's good, my brother? What's going on, man? I appreciate having me on. Man, no, it's all on you, brother. Like, glad to have you on, man. As always, let's bring us the great insight. And I want to start off with the Emory. I'm about the Atlanta Falcons defense. Uh, Sam Bruce Irvin today, one-year deal, $1.5 million, helped that pass rush. Also, Deion Jones practiced, practiced today as well. He'll be back for that Cowboy game. Atlanta's quietly getting healthier on defense, quietly making improvement on defense, Emory. Do you feel like even though that the division's a little bit out of the way right now, but they can still compete for NFC playoff spot, maybe get that six seed if they maybe go down the stretch six and two? Yeah, I think they're in great position to, to make a run to get that wild card spot because as of right now, you look at the four division winners uh, and the Carolina Panthers being the, the five teams that, that would be in. There's no one in the NFC East or the NFC West or even the uh, North at, at number two that would, I think, pose a threat to Atlanta. And if last week what we saw against Washington is of any indication, their offense plays fast, they're going to still be explosive. And like you said, they played well defensively there, and they're getting healthier on defense. Plus, they signed Bruce Irvin. So, 
yes, they're they're all things are aligning perfectly for Atlanta to make a nice run to close off the season. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys trade for Amari Cooper. I know they force fed him a little bit on Monday Night Football against the Titans. Do you like the move for the Dallas Cowboys giving a first-round pick for Amari Cooper? And what do you think he'll do for the Cowboys' offense going forward, being the technical wide runner that, 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 that he is? I think it was a good move, man. I know people are knocking uh, Dallas for giving up a first-round pick, but if you draft the first-round pick, uh, you know, he could be a bust. He could be a good player. But at the end of the day, you found somebody that's 24 years old that, that can help your team out right now. That At the end of the day, you're not going to worry about whether or not you pick the guy in the first round. We don't harass the Patriots for consistently missing on picks. You know, that's the biggest quietly. They do a good job of scouting everybody else's talent, uh, but not their own as far as the draft is concerned. They have a lot of misses in the draft. So whether or not you have a first-round pick, at least they got it on a player that they know is a proven commodity, a Pro Bowl player. And he definitely helps out their offense if he expands everyone else's responsibility and makes them a lot better as a, as a result because they're going to operate off uh, you know, a lot more one-on-one. You know, open things up in a running game. And last last game, we saw a glimpse of what could possibly happen. I think now the the onus falls on Scott Linehan and the play calling to make sure they maximize the entire uh, talent that they have at their disposal. Now, Emory, about the Cowboys' defense, they have transferred to the Seattle three deep zone cover one. How you want to look at it? You know, uh, from the from the, from the Robert and Ellis School of that Tampa two, how how do you rate the Cowboys' transition going from a to a Tampa two to a cover three team now? I think the defense is really good, man. To be honest, and you know they got a lot of athleticism across the board at each and every level. Their front line is athletic. They got athletic linebackers, um, and the secondary is, is a bunch of versatile guys that can match up one on one. They can play zone well. They can play man well. Um, they're interchangeable in my opinion. And, you know, when you have that amount of athleticism, it's not, not a surprise to see them go to a cover two uh, defense where you have those athletic linebackers that can get down the middle of the field and cover the deep middle like Vander Esch and also Jalen Smith. So I, I, I like the move. I like the defense. I like what they were able to build there, and I think they're going to be fine on that side of the ball for quite some time. Joe Emery Hunt football game playing here on the Boss Band Show. Uh, now, Emery, the Chargers, they're, they're 6 and 2. They're quietly moving along with Casey getting all the love right there, and the Patriots doing what they do. How do you like the Chargers as a team, as a complete football team? Signed a new kicker finally because Sturgis was maybe missing too many kicks for, for my liking and their liking as well. So, what do you say, Flip Rivers, is the Chargers going forward this rest of the season here? I like the Chargers, man. I think that's one of those teams you can't count on in the, in the AFC. And when you look at what they do well, uh, they're balanced. You know, they can run the ball. They can they can throw the football real well. Uh, they do a lot of things that, that causes them to have so much success. And when you look at them finally getting the kicking game or kicking situation correct, I think that's just going to help them out overall because that's been a big bugaboo for them. If they can get that squared away, they're going to be a very dangerous team moving forward. And the New Orleans Saints, they signed Dez Bryant uh, today. Uh, they brought him in on a one-year deal. Uh, how you think that was fitting with the New Orleans Saints in that locker room and that coach on the Drew Brees and Sean Payton? I think it's going to be fine, man, because you look at what he does well. He's a lot like Michael Thomas, just a, just a bit older. And I think when you have a guy like Dez Bryant that can do a lot of the same things that your number one receiver can do, um, it's just going to help you out as a whole. I, I just think that the Saints outside of Michael Thomas didn't really have a threat. Their number two receiver is essentially Alvin Kamara. So you bring in a guy 
that still has some talent, can catch the football, um, you know, with the best of them. May not be the most explosive, but neither is Michael Thomas, but they're always open. They can catch the ball. That's all you want. And now you're able to find more isolated matchups with Alvin Kamara, which just helps out your offense as a whole. So I, I love the move. I think the move is fantastic, and it should help the Saints offense open up a little bit more. And what the Saints exposed, Emory, was the Rams' defensive season on, on the back end there. With, with, even Marcus, Marcus Pierce getting burned on plays out there. The, the Rams miss a kid to leave that much, but they need him, him to come back, and they need the pass rush to kind of cover up for that back end as well going forward. We get to this playoff situation with the Rams and in, 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 in that tournament there coming up there in, in January. Yeah, I think so, man. I think when you look at what's going on with Los Angeles right now, they, they really can't affect the pocket. Uh, which is causing them to not be as aggressive in stopping the run. And all of that just is killing the momentum that they're trying to build moving forward toward playoffs. Um, because, again, if you can't – you could score a point, but your defense has to be able to at least be somewhat confident. Like, you don't have to be number one, but you can't be um, – you can't be bad in the situations – you know, situational football like third downs, um, inside the red zone. Though, you know, trying to close out games, you have to excel there more so than any other part of the game. And right now they're not. So, yes, they do sorely miss um, a kid to leave. And, and hopefully when he gets back, this defense can get back to being what we thought it was going to be to open up the season. Yes, indeed. Now, the Houston Texans, another team that's won six, six in a row, uh, beat defeating Denver out there uh, this past week. Demarius Thomas, they got him in a trade after Will Fuller with that ACL injury. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Texans, and can they make some noise in the AFC quietly with, with Bill O'Brien those guys getting their ex to get off starting off 0-3 this year? I think so. You have the best quarterback in the division. Um, you have an improving run game. The offensive line is still going to be a work in progress. The defensive guys are healthy. And you talk about premier players like Jadevian Clowney, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless. You also talk about Tyron Matthew. You have young players coming up around them as well, like Justin Reed and, and Natrell Jamerson. You have all of those guys on defense with an outstanding quarterback that's not afraid of pressure, that's able to play above the X's and O's. So, yes, they are trending in the right direction. That's a serious threat to, to win the AFC, in my opinion. I think when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, that's not afraid of pressure, that's able to be a, a gamer when you need him to be a gamer. I think that right there plays perfectly for a team that's starting to get, you know, get it, hit its stride. And once you get to the playoffs, they're going to need to make a couple of plays or two, and you got the right guy under center that can make it happen. Uh, it was reported that Nick Mullins is going to be getting started against the Giants on Monday Night Football. Uh, how, 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 how do you like the move of the four downs going sticking with Nick Mullins? And, did you, and when he's coming out of college, or did you think he would kind of have some success in the league if he got in the right system? Well, I, I think it's good to have, have you know, a guy that, that has just come off of a, a very good performance. You know, he's playing well, ride the hot hand, even though C.J. Beathard didn't play terrible. Um, but you, you got to ride the hot hand, reward the guy for a good performance, and lock him to go out there and see if he can put together back-to-back performances. Now, coming out of college, I still think Nick Mullins, to me, um, is doing what he what I had him slated to be doing as being a number two, filling when needed, but you can't trust him no more than three to four games. So um, credit to him for doing a great job in, in his first showing out there on the field against the Raiders. Hopefully he can Hopefully he can put together back-to-back performances, but other than that, I think you're pushing your limit if you're expecting him to be a full-time starter uh, in the NFL. 
Uh, last one I got for you is, is the, Cle- the Cleveland job. They fired Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Um, who do you think should probably get that job in the offseason? A good fit for Baker Mayfield and skill set. And that's in Cleveland trying to build a new culture there going forward. You know what? One, one guy that no one is talking about that has had his name mentioned as head, head coach before, um, but he's always been an offensive coordinator. How about Pep Hamilton? You know, I think that's one guy that no one's talking about um, being a candidate. I mean, he has worked with some young quarterbacks. He's worked in the NFL. He's worked in that franchise with the Cleveland Browns. I think Pep Hamilton would be a fantastic option for uh, Cleveland, especially when you pair his offensive prowess with a young quarterback and young offensive weapons to try to get that franchise headed in the right direction. Uh, here to Emory, before you go, tell the people about your football game plan, what you guys got playing this week for all the fans and who love the work you do. But you can follow me on Twitter at football game plan. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash football game plan. And this weekend, I'll be the color analyst on the Morgan State, Delaware State ball game. You can find that on ESPN3. Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Again, at ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app. No doubt, my man, Emory Hill. Him the boss show. Emory, good job as always, my good brother. We'll talk to you real soon, man. All right, man. Have a good one. You, you too, brother. It's Emory Hunt, people on the Boss Man Show. All your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hey there. Your yard took a real beating this summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, Winter Guard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. Hey parents, we all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash BITZ to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com.
Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Man, show by joined by Joe Parsons from the Athletic, covering the Panthers and the NFC South, our rivals of I-85. How you doing there, Joe? What's going on? Oh, man, no much. I was in your, in your city last night with the Hawks, man. Glad the Hornets won, because we must lose games here. Atlanta gives a good draft pick, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's funny. I, I, I keep up with the Hornets a little bit, uh, but but... You know, I was interested today that, that the Falcons signed Bruce Irvin. That is a guy I know he obviously has the Atlanta connection and he, he played for Dan Quinn in Seattle. But he is a guy I thought the Panthers really could use. Their pass rush has been struggling. Uh, they've got one guy who's done very well in Mario Addison. But other than that, Julius Peppers hasn't done a whole lot this year at age 38. I thought Bruce Irvin would look real good. I, I know the Panthers definitely uh, had a lot of conversations about him. but uh, So not only did they not get him, he goes to a division rival. So uh, that was a tough break for the Carolina Panthers. And, Joe, that's how the fans here felt when you guys signed Eric, Eric Reed. Because when Neil went <laughs> down and Allen went down and we didn't sign Eric Reed, it was like, really? He went to Carolina and we could have had him too? So that's kind of how we felt. When we yo guy got guy got Eric Reed, so I know we I guess we're even there with Bruce Irvin and Eric Reed. We're even, I guess, to a degree. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you're, you're right. I remember getting having a lot of Falcons fans show up on my timeline back about two months ago when the Panthers signed Reed. Uh, and you know, it's it's interesting. I think clearly the move today by the Falcons is showing their fan base. And the rest of the NFL that that they have not, you know, that, that they may behind may be behind the Panthers and Saints right now, but there's a lot of football left to be played, a lot of division games where you can make up ground very quickly, and uh, and the and the Saints too. I mean, look, uh, that already explosive offense uh, going out and getting Des Bryant, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, another move that's sort of like win now. Any all these teams kind of jockeying for position to see if they can make that one move, that one signing to kind of push them over the hump. 
Now, Joe, in training camp this year, did you see this, did you see his team being at this point of year having six wins and two losses? Was that something that you saw coming, or you to thinking more of our four and four maybe out, out, coming out of camp this year? You know, honestly, when I did all my preseason picks and 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 did you know shows like yours back in August, I told people that I thought this Panthers team was a lot like last season. I, I you know, they they. They added a few pieces here or there, but it was really, for the most part, you know, was really the same personnel as last year when they were an 11-5 team, when they were a wild-card team, just they couldn't get past the Saints. I mean, they lost, <laughs> excuse me, they lost three games to the to New Orleans last year, including the, the playoff game down at the uh, Superdome. The one big difference to me has been the arrival of North Turner as offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. He has reinvigorated Cam Newton. He has uh, kind of put a charge into this offense, uh, getting the, the young playmakers they have, the football, talking about Christian McCaffrey, of course. But but more than that, the two guys that they, that they did not do much last year, one guy they didn't have was first-round pick D.J. Moore, and then the other guy was – last year's second round pick Curtis Samuel and he spent most of his rookie year hurt last year but Norv has found ways uh with and, and Cam as well to get those guys the ball not necessarily throwing away downfield either I mean they're doing reverses some screens some real innovative play calling here through the first half of the season and how those receivers develop on the North Turner, like Samuel there and DJ Moore and Funches getting better as well. How are those guys developing in your mind under the tools of North Turner and his staff? Well, it's interesting when the when the Panthers came down to Atlanta in Week Two, Samuel was still uh, sidelined with a uh, he, he'd had a little procedure to uh, correct an, an irregular heartbeat, and. And they and they really weren't playing DJ more much early in the year. Now he did have a touchdown that game against the Falcons, but it might have been his only touch of the game, quite frankly. And Panther fans were kind of like, "What's going on here?" Because they saw Calvin Ridley touching the ball and running all over the field for the Falcons, and this was a guy. You remember the Panthers and Falcons took uh, Moore and Ridley in back-to-back picks kind of late in that first mm, round. This year. Sure so, did. It did take some time. I, I think North Turner was kind of – for one thing, I think he was kind of getting his feet back under him after having been retired for a season or a season and a half. And, uh, and, and I think D.J. Moore – well, I already told you Samuel was was sidelined, and but DJ Moore I think was was trying to get the offense down. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces to to North Turner's offense, but man, it's uh, it's looked pretty good here in recent weeks. Now Thomas Davis said the other day that this is the most talented team uh, he's ever seen, and do, do you agree with his assessment? Because I mean, I say. I mean, I, I do some talent on this roster they went to the Super Bowl with as well, but he's the most talented team he's ever seen. Yeah, you know what? Uh, he was responding to a question because Cam, uh, Cam Newton had said uh, earlier that day, this was just yesterday, he had said he did not think it was the most talented team. And the point, and the point Cam was making is he thought that their chemistry was terrific. And, and it has been, and it helps when you're winning. You know that. But I think then a couple of reporters went to Thomas Davis and said, hey, Cam thinks 
you know, this is not necessarily the most talented team, but you guys are winning and, and that kind of line of questioning. And Davis said, eh, I disagree. And he said, I do think it's the most talented. I don't know. I mean, that team had Josh Norman, who, despite how well these young corners are playing, at that time, I think Norman was at a little different level than these guys are now. Uh, that team had Ted Ginn, who was still in his prime before he, you know, he's kind of gotten hurt here of late with New Orleans. I think, you know, I, I think Ted Ginn at, at, at that point was probably an upgrade over Torrey Smith, who sort of plays that same position for the Panthers. Defensively, you know, maybe a, a, at least in the front seven, maybe a wash because it's a lot of the same guys, except they do have Julius Peppers. But it's an interesting debate, and certainly the 2018 Panthers hope that folks are having this debate, you know, the first week of February. Now, Joe, I want to ask you this now. What all went into the sign of Eric Reed? I know a lot of teams passed on him, but what exactly went down with, with David Tepper and, and Ron Rivera and those guys to bring him in and actually sign him? And how's the response to being locally to him being, a, being, a, being on the team now? Well, you know, this was not a move that ever would have been made under former owner Jerry Richardson, who was a very staunch, kind of conservative, old-line, old-school kind of owner, grew up, grew up in the South was not terribly open-minded you know some things he was but but not when it came to he he didn't want to have any kind of signings or anything uh additions to his team that would have been what he viewed a distraction so it absolutely to me when this happened six seven weeks ago was signaled the real arrival of david tepper as an nfl owner and a different kind of owner for the carolina panthers i mean he has just he, he's he's willing to to be a little bit more open to players' uh, beliefs, uh, kind of their interests, and uh, you know it's still a hot button topic. I, if if I tweet something about um, Eric Reed, and you know, or if I put a picture out of him kneeling during the anthem, I've got half of the responses being very supportive and good for you, and glad you're bringing. Uh, a light to this issue and then a bunch of people are you know saying derogatory things and and tweeting uh not very nice messages so it's uh that's kind of where things are i mean reed has has played well uh but he's you know you know him he's very adamant in his message he, he's not going to waver for anybody not at um and 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 you have to you know you have to respect uh, you know, his determination or his his resolution, his resolve, I should say, on this issue that, that he he sees uh, he he sees what he says you know hundreds of years of systemic oppression, and he's not, and he's not going to stand for that national anthem. And uh, Joe, let me ask you this: the last thing I got before we get out of here today, Joe, is this: uh, the Panthers play at Pittsburgh tomorrow. Then you got the second season coming up here. They think the Panthers will probably end up being the five seed in the NFC most likely. Uh, probably playing the Redskins in that divisional wildcard weekend and maybe can make a run there and hopefully avoid the Saints. <laughs> they can make a little run. Is that what you've seen so far in your crystal ball going forward? Well, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to concede this division yet. I, I, I think the Panthers – 
I don't know if they're any better handled, uh, better equipped to handle the Saints' speed uh, defensively as a Panthers defense. I mean, than they were last year. But you know, I think this is going to come down to the end of December again. The Panthers' schedule very interesting, and, and they all kind of fall this way. I know the Falcons do too, but the Panthers finish uh, week sixteen home to the Saints. Uh, excuse me, week fifteen home to the Saints. Week 16, the Falcons come here. Week 17, the Panthers go to New Orleans. I mean, you know, they, they can't be like two games behind at that point. You know, they, they have to at least be within a game in New Orleans to give themselves a chance. And uh, like I said, I think this is definitely a playoff team. Whether they end up being a wild card division title in December will uh, will dictate that for and, and for all these teams. Yes, indeed. Well, Joe, good to get you on the show again, man. Talk some Panthers football with you. I, I like covering you. Get your guys love coming to y'all city. It's a great town to come to. And I hope, look forward to coming there on the twenty third of December, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. Take care. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Every day the unstoppable, do the impossible, we the undeniable, royalty indefinable. Ford knows that your vehicle is a reflection of you. So they design beautifully innovative, stylish cars like the Explorer, Escape, and Fusion to make your journey safer, smarter, and more dynamic. Ford, born to roll. Learn more at IamBornToRoll.com. Did you hear the news? Metro PCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Ram Power Days have arrived, which means great deals on the all-new Ram 1500 right in time for football and tailgating season. With 1500's available legendary Hemi engine, you'll have a Hall of Famer powering all your celebrations on game day. See why more people are switching to Ram trucks than ever before. Hurry in for great deals during Ram Power Days. Since 2010, based on IHS market U.S. household methodology and FCA segmentation of conquest data from U.S. new vehicle registrations for CYE 2010 to 2016, Ram and Hemi are registered trademarks of FCA US LLC. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. 
Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Bless. 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 What's the matter, Man, show talking to one of our good friends of the show, Dan Feldman, probasketballtalk.com. Dan, how are things with you on your end, brother? Good. How about you? I can't complain, man. I want to talk to you about this Lakers mess. I tell you, I, I, I heard early on Magic Johnson preaching patience, LeBron talking about patience, but then a woes bomb with the report of Magic Johnson going off on Luke Walton and the staff kind of feeling like Luke's job is in danger a little bit here and he's getting through the organization. So what are your thoughts on the Lakers getting impatient now and now might make a rash move that may hurt the team going forward? But I do feel like this, Dan, uh, Luke Walton is, are, is on the clock now. There are so many forces conspiring here. LeBron James always, whether what, no matter what he says, he always demands a level of impatience because he's so good. Almost any team with LeBron should be on contending for a title. This Lakers team is not even a playoff lock. Nowhere near that. Now, I think they're going to make it, but they are nowhere near a lock. Uh, you add the element of being in Los Angeles. It's a high-pressure place. They want to win. They're one of the all-time great franchises. They're used to winning. Uh, Luke Walton came to the Lakers with a very good reputation after his stint with the Warriors. There's a lot of things coming together where there is a lot of pressure. The problem is this roster around LeBron isn't very good. They have these veterans who don't seem to fit, who I think are pretty overrated. Uh, They have these young players who are promising. They look like they'll have bright futures. They're not really ready yet. They're going to have ups and downs like most players do. So something is going to have to give. And you look at the history of the NBA, anytime there's all kinds of pressure, usually the person who takes the fall is the head coach. Exactly, and I just think it's unfortunate. Luke Walton don't deserve that, but Matty Johnson didn't hire him. Plinka did that stop there, guy. And I feel like Ty Lue is, is in the bullpen, one woman up, ready, ready to get that job <laughs> out there in L.A. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, I, Teron Lue is a is a solid coach. I think he had his ups and downs in Cleveland. Regardless of what you thought he did with the Cavaliers, he was definitely on a head coaching track before the Cavs promoted him. So there should be some teams interested. But I also got to look at it like this. If I'm the Lakers and I have the type of budget the Lakers have and I have the appeal of being able to coach LeBron, I'm aiming higher than Lou. Not that settling for Lou would be the worst thing, but there are better coaches out there and I'd be aiming higher. I would as well. And and they signed Chandler uh, officially now to go with JaVale McGee. He needs some size up out there. But like you said, Lance Stevenson, Rondo, not a shooter. Lonzo Ball is improved shot, but not really a shooter. So, like, LeBron needs that, that, that him at the top of the key in spacing. He can penetrate and pitch and create three-pointers. But the Lakers, who you don't trust to knock down three other than KCP and Kuzma? 
Yeah, Josh Hart is solid. I mean, there just aren't enough guys who are good three-point shooters. When you get more of the three-point shooting out on the court by going smaller, you know, maybe that means playing Kuzma as your center or something like that, then you're sacrificing a lot of defense. This is an either-or roster. You can't have the offensive spacing you want and the defense you want. You're going to have to pick one. A lot of, you know, they have some depth issues. A lot of times you're going to be picking neither. Uh, but but for the most part, you can get a lineup that has one or the other, and you're going to give up a lot on the other end. And, you know, that's a tough place to be. Now, Dan, I want to switch to the Eastern Conference on, on you here, talking about the Wizards. I, I saw some on, on PBT about Walls, Trey Kicker, how pretty much he's untradeable with, with that Trey Kicker, so it'll be Bradley Beal. They don't want to give up Beal at all. So, what do you attribute the Wizards' struggles to, and does the maxing out of Otto Porter now come back to bite, to bite them in the butt and, and, and killing all the flexibility with the cap now? Because they, they're pretty much stuck with Wall, Porter, Bill for a while. It seems whenever things go wrong for the Wizards, it looks like the sky is falling. It looks beyond ugly. And then throughout the season, they tend to level off. They tend to find their way just enough. They usually make the playoffs, sometimes even win a playoff series. They have been, in recent years, much more successful than most teams in the league, even though they've had some bad times during this stretch that looked maybe not quite as bad as this, but pretty bad. I I think you run into some problems. You have a locker room uh, full of players who've had their ups and downs personally together, maybe are a little bit tired of each other. They have a coach that is okay, but nothing to to write home about. Not a huge difference making coach. They have a bunch of players on expiring contracts who are looking toward what they're going to earn next summer and being in position to, to make some money who maybe aren't doing all the right things. And then they were missing Dwight Howard, uh, who once you get him back into the fold, yeah, he brings some chemistry concerns in the locker room, but is really a missing piece for this team. The center production was woeful. The rebounding was terrible in the ways that Dwight Howard can help. That's where the wizards were lacking. So I tend to think they're going to, they're going to find a better equilibrium come together as a better team than they've shown. But yeah, it has been real ugly. As far as Otto Porter specifically, they were in a jam. They were at a point where letting him go, they would have had no way to get a comparable replacement. They would have had to downgrade. They had the ability to keep him because he was their own free agent. And so, yeah, they were stuck, and he looks overpaid now, and he's obviously off to a a pretty poor start. But I really believe that Otto Porter still is a player. He's an excellent shooter, uh, positions himself well defensively, has good length. He's not always strong enough to, to match up with everybody defensively, but he's pretty solid in most matchups defensively. And so, yeah, I'd want him on my team. He is expensive, though. They are locked into this court. It's not ideal. I just don't know what the alternative ever was going to be for them. Exactly. And I just feel like, do you feel like Scott Bruce's job is in jeopardy eventually? Because uh, he's he's overseeing it right now. Because I don't think the GMs gonna take take the fall for this. So well, so I I got two competing factors on that. One, uh, Ernie Grunfeld, the general manager, the team president, he has been there the entire time. The owners owned the team. Ted Leontis. He Grunfeld has. He's a grinder. He he finds ways to keep his job. He deflects the blame where it needs to go so that he can keep his job. And he's always found a way for many, many years now, even when the Wizards have looked pretty bad. On the other hand, Scott Brooks is still owed about $21 million over the next three years. That's probably too much money where they're just going to fire him. Uh, So I don't know which of those things give, but it seems like they're going to hang on to Brooks for a while now. I hear that now. 
Speaking of another issue we have out here is this. Is that, hey, we got the Rockets bringing back Jeff Bizdelic to help their poorest defense. What effect do you think he'll have on, on their defense? And that uh, they lost Bob Mutt and Reza, those guys who really helped them switch. They don't, they, MC, MCW, Ennis, to me, and, and Melo are not going to answer. You know, yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I mean, Bizdelic can help, and he's at least interested in defense. He's focused on defense. He's thinking about defense. Mike D'Antoni, for as good as a coach as he is, is not. D'Antoni is an offensive-minded guy. That's where he spends his time in film, uh, in preparation. That's what he's always thinking about. He's admitted it, and you know that's why he needs somebody else on his staff to focus on defense. Bizdelic is qualified to do that. But like you said, the personnel loss is big. The other players they had, Ariza and Bamute, were, were so adept at running the, the switching scheme they wanted to run. Carmelo Anthony is a liability in it. James Ennis has the potential to be solid. He seemed to fit better defensively than he has so far. Uh, and so maybe he can get there. Maybe Michael Carter-Williams can get there. Although if you're playing Carter-Williams, then you're going to have some major problems offensively. This is a roster that downgraded. The Rockets did not want payroll to get too high. It's still one of the league's most expensive teams, uh, but they wanted to limit their payroll, and they're paying the price for it. Yes, indeed. You're right about that. And I also read a story on your side about McDonough and Phoenix, how they sent him up phone call rather than just tell him up front and personal that's another Robert Sarver issue so hearing this about McDonough and Sarver Dan do you feel like that after James Jones and those guys get fired in Phoenix which eventually happen people will be leery about joining that organization going forward Man, I, I love that we're already talking about James Jones getting fired when he hasn't even, I don't think, gotten the the, uh, the long-term GM job officially. I think they're still calling him an interim. And so we're already talking about him getting fired because we know it's going to happen. Robert Sarver is no treat to work for. I don't really blame him uh, necessarily for firing Ryan McDonough over the phone. I've been fired over the phone. Getting fired is the bad part. Uh, making me come in on a day off or when I wasn't going to be there anyway to get fired, like that's even worse. Just call me. That's fine. You want to fire me and I, I'm not going to be there, just call me. Now, if you're there, look me in the eyes and that's different. So I'm not ready to leap all over Sarver for that. But there's so many other reasons to be leery of Sarver, how quickly he goes through general managers, his demanding style. Uh, it, in the past and maybe in the present, uh, although it's hard to tell as they go through this rebuilding, his reluctance to spend. There are, there are so many deep-seated issues from ownership down with the Suns. That said, it's one of 30 general manager jobs in, in the world. And, you know, an NBA general manager job, it's very coveted. A lot of people will think they'll be the person who can overcome that and, and build a winner in Phoenix. The Suns have been very good at different points under Sarver. It's, you know, not something that's going to stop you. It's just going to make it harder. And so, yeah, they'll find somebody to do it, but it's not the most appealing job in the league. I hear that. Well, Dan, that's what I got for you. How impressed you that Vince Carter at 41 years old <laughs> is still dunking at 41 <laughs> and, and being the, the paid babysitter for these young kids on the Hawks roster? 
you know, I wrote an article about how Vince Carter, how amazing it is that he has gone from, you know, he was, he was one of the league's biggest stars, maybe the biggest star, leader in all-star votes, you know, high-flying dunker, beloved by fans, huge mega star, and all of a sudden he's a journeyman. And how, in, how incredible that transformation was and how he was taking to it. And I wrote that article three, four years ago, and he's still playing, he's still dunking. I figured I got to get this in before he retires, and he's still going. It's incredible. You get there right with Dan. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Look forward to talking to you down the road, my good brother. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. All right, that folk, Dan Feldman on the Boss Man Show. 